This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. It's kind of a crazy story. I'd just gotten married. Um, Perry was just born. And I was asking permission from the missus to go fishing, you know, on my day off. You know, do you need anything around the house? Can I go fishing, you know, my friends this day? And... It just got to the point where she was getting so mad that, like, a beautiful day, and I'm off, and, honey, can I go fishing? And then she's like, why don't you just go get your captain's license already? Like, light bulb went off, and th that next week I was in captain school and started guiding, and it kind of just fell into place over the years, and now I'm almost 25 years in now. This is the Tom Rowland Podcast fascinating stories to amaze encourage and inspire you in fishing fitness and the outdoors and we're brought to you by black rifle coffee i started this podcast as a way to connect with my friends people that i admire and respect and you it has been a learning journey that's made me a better person a better fisherman a better father and a better athlete i'm so happy that you're on this journey with me and i'd love to hear from you with show suggestions guest suggestions or questions the best way to get a hold of me is through text you can text 305-930-7346 for the fastest response but if you prefer to email you can send that to podcast at saltwaterexperience.com that's a dedicated email address just for the show if you like this show you can show your support by posting about it on social media and tagging me text the link to a couple of friends that may also enjoy it and subscribe and leave a five-star review if you feel like i've earned it the website is tomrollandpodcast.com and that is where everything lives all past shows you can go and listen to any show you can look up all the different shows that we've done both the how-to tuesdays the full links and the physical fridays they all live on tomrollandpodcast.com and the social media is tom underscore roland r-o-w-l-a-n-d on instagram or you can go to our big account saltwater underscore experience i hope to hear from you soon so now let's get on to today's show my name is wes Bedell, and this is the tom roland podcast 
Guys, good to see you, man. We Thanks got Wes, Perry, Weston. Mm-hmm. Right on, man. Good to ha- good to have you guys here at iCast. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, we got hooked up with uh, my friend Clay Guida, who's also your friend yes. Clay Guida. You guys have fished with him. He's a maniac and and uh, an awesome all around great guy. Uh, but I love the story, man, <clears throat> because I've got two boys of my own. Neither wanted to be a fishing guide. Um, and both of your boys are fishing guides. And I, I saw this one post, the one that got me. And I was like, I got to get these guys on the podcast. You were going out, Wes, and you got your clients in the boat. And you look over here and there's one of your boys over there. And then you look over here and there's another one going over here. Yeah. And you just had this post. You were really proud of your boys and they were they were following in your footsteps. And it was just really cool because we have some families in the Florida Keys that are that are second and third generation guides. But there'll be like two boys and only one will be a guide and the other will do something else. And you guys are one of the few families that I know where both, all of you are going into the guiding world. So what's that, what's that been like? Well, um, the way it kind of started was I, I kind of knew that we had um, something special. We entered this um, local family tournament in Naples and we fished it for a long duration and um we kept winning every single, every <laughs> single year. Um, and it came to 10 years in a row and we were walking up to the podium for the largest snook, largest redfish trophies again. And I saw the faces of everyone in the tables of the banquet, just kind of just mm. shaking their heads. Like, Oh my God, another, another one, another one, you know? And, um, I knew right then we like, we had something special. And I also knew that we had to step back a little bit and let the other families have, a, you know, go at it. Yeah. And, um, and I knew right then that, you know, that we had a special team and to just need to nourish it a little bit and let it blossom. Yeah. And that's what happened. To, to win anything 10 times in a row is, is pretty, <laughs> pretty exceptional. We even had two slams in there too. We got largest trout, redfish and snook. That's, but, that's awesome. I mean, it, even to win, I mean, sometimes you just get tired of it. It's just like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, we've, we win that every year, sure. you know, you, you do that four five, six, seven times. I mean, when do you say, and it, that uh, 10 is a nice even number It was. where you can kind of like, no, I don't, I don't think we need to do that anymore, but yeah. that's, that's exceptionally good yes. to be able to do I mean, that. Anything, any kind of tournament, any, anything yeah. 10 times. Yeah. It's and, right on. And uh, yeah, they were, you know, not even in middle school, you know, we started, I think the first one, they were six and 10 first tournament we did and largest snook, largest redfish next year, largest snook, largest redfish, and just kept kind of happening and falling in our lap. And, and, uh, at that moment, I'm like, I knew that that something was going to happen here. You know, it's not always like roses when, when that happens, right? Because you win the first time and they're like, Oh, that's cool. You won with your two little kids. That's really nice. And then the second time they're like, huh? Yeah. And the third time they're like, Man, I think those guys are cheating. You know, the fourth time, That's exactly then it's fifth time, and it's like, man, they're definitely cheating. There's all kinds of talk. Like, did you experience that? Because I've certainly experienced we, it. We did. We did experience the cheater, and we had um, – they always checked our ruler at the end of the time. And it was always like, you know, let's see our pictures. Where are you guys fishing? And all of that. So it was – even had a target on our back even back then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how do you deal with that as a as a dad – um, you know, with your, with your young boys, it's, uh, it's a tough one. I, I have to bite my tongue a lot. They kind of have to tell me to step back a little bit because, you know, I'm still kind of Papa bear sometimes, you know, and protecting them and stuff. And obviously they're equipped and well knowledge and have even picked up some tricks that 
I didn't even show them, you mm-hmm. know? So that's kind of, they're taking what I've shown them and taking it to the next level. And I can only be so proud. Of course. I mean, that's, that's, that's what fishing is, right? Like yes. you, you, you know, each of you have, I'm sure different, a little bit different interests, a little bit different, um, mentors or people that you look for people that you fished with and you take a little piece here and a little piece there. And then all of a sudden somebody's got a little something that somebody else doesn't. That's right. Right. So, um, Weston, you're older, right? I'm youngest. You're the youngest. Yeah. Oldest okay. Here. So you're 22. I'm 22. He's 25. You're 25. Yes. Okay. So Perry, when did you think about starting to, to guide? Honestly. So Weston and I were both different on that. He always thought he wanted to be a guide his whole time growing up. Um, I honestly never thought that one bit as a kid really liked fishing, enjoyed it. Um, never really looked at it that way. Um, I went to school for a couple years after high school, community college, no real path set, just kind of messing around, going to school, being a kid, having fun, moved back after two years. And, uh, ironically he took a spill off the dock pretty bad. Your dad. Yeah. He's like, you're going to come be my mate. I need a hand. And after like the first or second charter, I'm like, what? Was I even thinking this whole time? Because it was awesome. Yes. You loved it. Just <laughs> fell, fell in love with it all over again. So you can probably throw a cast net pretty good. You're big, big, strong I guy. I can. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't thrown in a long time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, neither has Robert Trossett. All of a sudden, you know, it's like, <laughs> sure. <laughs> his son is his son is very good at throwing the cast net. But then when he graduated to that, he had he was like, uh, now it might be time for a mate. Too. Yes. But uh, yeah, that's great. And then how did your journey start? So beginning in that tournament that we did, that we won a lot, that kind of built my love for fishing. Mm -hmm. I knew that I wanted to do what he did, you know, and even when I was starting in middle school and I got to the kind of the mature stage, I would have weekends off or even spring break or Christmas break. And my father would be like, do you want to work for me and help, you know, and rig and, you know, bait hooks and do whatever. And I would just do that with him and he would you know, throw me like half the tip. And I just thought it was awesome, you know, but the money really wasn't what I was for. You know, it was the the expression of the people's face after the charter and how much of a good time that they actually had. Mm-hmm. And then after I kind of saw that growing up, that made me love the game even more. That is the thing about guiding. <clears throat> when people ask me, you know, I don't, I don't guide anymore, but they, they ask me like, what do you miss about guiding? I would say, I would say guiding is instant gratification. Like you have all this hard work that you've, you've, you've done all this homework for years to prepare for this trip. Then there's this, the actual preparing for the trip. And then you go out and you show someone and you, you, you have good communication with someone. You say, what, what would be a fantastic trip for you today? Well, I've never caught a permit. I'd love to do that. Okay. So you put a plan together, you go out, you catch a permit and you just see this person with this they're so happy. You've and made their day. You've made their life, their life in, in, in a lot of ways. And, and it's just this, this instant gratification that I don't really get anywhere else in my life that, that this one person has so much gratitude and you can just feel it coming off of them. And, and not everybody's like that. No. Like, I mean, for certain clients, it means a tremendous amount for other people. They, they could really care less. They don't even know what it is. Like yeah. they could catch a Jack Cravel. <laughs> it's a permit. It doesn't matter. It, <laughs> it fought and, and they're happy about it. It's fun, but you get that special client that it means really means something to them. And that is an experience that it's hard to, it's hard to put it in any other context other than, I don't know, guiding, like, it's just, it's fantastic. You're like that. giving those people a memory that they're never, ever going to forget. 
And I have had clients come back, come back year after year. And they're like, you remember that one fish you caught with me? Like, I don't really remember it. I'm sorry, but they remember it. So boy, they remember that, you know, we caught 19 permit that day. I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't remember that one that was a little bit bigger, but, but I do remember the time and the day and the time spent. And it's, it's it's funny, but I bet if you saw a picture of that thing, you would, you would be like, Oh yeah, yeah. I I remember that. (laughs) That one was spicy, you know, cause I, uh, I just had a client, um, just post something or he sent me a picture. And I was like, can I post this on social media? And he says, yeah, sure. And you could tell these guys won't understand this, but there used to be like photo albums and we used to have, <laughs> used to have picture cameras that would have 36, 24 That's or 12 right. pictures on them. And, and you would start the day and you're like, Ooh, I've only got eight pictures. Yeah. But- Better be careful with, you know, <laughs> did you bring extra film? No, I didn't bring extra film. So, okay, we got eight. So yep. is that the biggest fish we're going to catch today? Right. I don't know. We better take a picture. Yep. Anyway, this guy, he had, uh, he, he took a picture of his photo album and in the photo album, like, it was, it was kind of like scrapbooking. Like you almost did it. Like you put this thing in the photo album. There's a little place on the side to take notes and stuff. And he, he had written down the time of the day, the Marquesas, Captain Tom Rowland, you know, on this day at this time, Key West. Wow. And then he had done on the next permit and the next permit. And he, he sent me this thing. He said, you remember that day we caught three permit and it was just one of my favorite days ever. And then I look at the picture and I'm like, oh yeah, I do kind of remember this, right? <laughs> but it was just so cool to see the detail that he had put. And it obviously meant so much to this guy. And then he had kept it all this time. Those are the memories that that I don't, I think the other people outside the guy community can't really experience or appreciate because those are memories that, that we give people that I don't think anybody else can. Yeah. It's a special thing with, with the, with the, clients as well. And it, it, you become real friends and they become like family. I'm sure you've seen, seen that people that have fished with your dad oh, yeah. over the years and they send Christmas cards and They're presents fishing with and their kids now. Are they They're fishing the next generation? That's so cool. It's amazing. It's amazing to see that go down. That's so cool. So what about your, uh, how did you start guiding? Um, I was, um, always, always fished growing up, born and raised in Naples. Um, you know, my dad, we had a timeshare in the keys and we spent all lobster seasons there and just, um, always loved the sport and being in the water and around the water. And, um, it was kind of a crazy story. I just gotten married. Um, Perry was just born and I was asking permission from the missus to go fishing, you know, on my day off, you know, do you need anything around the house? Can I go fishing with, you know, my friends this day? And, it just got to the point where she was getting so mad that like a beautiful day and I'm off and honey, can I go fishing? And then she's like, why don't you just go get your captain's license already? Like light bulb went mm-hmm. off. And th- that next week I was in captain school and started guiding and it kind of just fell into place over the years. And now I'm almost 25 years in now. So it's kind of, what were you doing before? What was the, what was the source of income uh, before you did bartending? This? Okay. Bartending. So I still did that a, lot, a little bit on the side and moonlight a little bit. It was a great way. I still have clientele that I handed my business card mm-hmm. over the bar and, and some of those people are still with us uh, for 20 plus years. Nice. Yeah, some of them have even moved from up North to Naples, just to our area so they can fish with us year round. So you're probably real close to my age. How old are you? I'm 51, 51. I'm 53. So tell me what Naples was like when you grew up there as a kid. It was, um, it's kind of crazy that the fishing was, everyone asked me, this is a question a lot, you know, as it was the fishing better back then was, um, I'd like to say the fishing was probably the same. There just wasn't as much pressure. Um, there wasn't, you know, um, 
people fighting over spots like now, like you come out of the dock in the morning and everyone's hammered down running to certain wrecks offshore because they know those fish are holding certain certain permit at the certain tides. And so it's like, it's like a more of a shotgun race than it is to just kind of how you want to plan your day out. Yeah. You know, so it kind of, um, that kind of, you know, made it really difficult, you know, and, and then everybody seeing what we do and, and trying to follow us. And we caught a rental boat out by us the other day, throwing crabs. And I, you know, said, you know, Hey, how's it going? You know, what are you guys doing? They're like, and he's, took his camera out and started taking pictures of us. Mm. And I'm like, Hi, Captain West Bedell on a mission charge. He's like, Oh, I know who you are. <laughs> Wait a minute. You know who I am. You're 50 yards off my bow and you're throwing crabs like <laughs> wow, in a rental boat. So it's just, Stuff like that is yeah. stuff that we deal with on the daily, unfortunately. So that's a that's an interesting um, side note, a little rabbit hole to go down, especially with younger perspective of how do you deal with, how do you manage social media? Because social media is very important to the guide world. That's how we get a lot of business, right? Like you put out there what you catch. People are like, oh, I'd like to catch that. You get a call, you take a charter, right? Seems mm -hmm. one to one. But it's not one to one because how do you guys like you're going to have a different dad. You're going to have a different perspective on this. Sure. But I'm interested from the boys. Like, how do you manage the social media? Do you wait a couple of days and post or do you just. Sometimes yeah. it'll, it'll depend. Like timing is everything on that. Like, say it's Friday and we go out and crush it and the weekends come in. We're not going to put up 20 pictures of all the giant permit we just caught. But say, hey, gorgeous day. We got some inclement weather coming. Let's put it up right when we get in. You know, kind of try and find that happy medium of not sending people out to follow you, essentially. Yeah. What if you're booked for the next three weeks? <laughs> How does that affect your posting? <laughs> um, we still like to get stuff up there. You know, just be mindful of the pictures we're taking and posting. And, hey, don't put this dock where you're fishing and holding this giant snook up on, on the next day, you know, little things like that. Mm -hmm. It's such an, it's such a weird thing because it's, <clears throat> it's a really fine line and you'll get a guide that is just getting into the business and they want to show everything because they don't have the business, but then you get a guy that has the business and they don't want to show anything. And then all of a sudden they don't have any trips and it's like this real fine line or you got to be active, but you can't be too active you blur the background too much, then people are like, ah, I don't, I don't like that. That's not cool. Like, how do you, that's just a, it's just a real kind of question that we all have to ask is like, what is the, the future of fishing and social media? It's I a, don't know. It's a double-edged sword for sure. Yeah. And, and, and with that note too, I think that even with the Instagram and the spawn of that has just, um, made so many captains and guides just pop up out of, out of the social media land. And, um, it's just kind of happened overnight. You know, it's just we, one day we're at the dock and it's like, who's that guy? Who's this guy, you know, and, mm. and growing up there and, and even these guys know too, we, we know everybody, you know, it's a small town or at least it used to be. And, you know, we pretty can't go anywhere without seeing somebody we know, you know, someone, someone pops up on the scene and they're following you around and it's, it's a target that we wish we could get off our back sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a, it's a compliment in one way, you know, it's a good way to look at it. <laughs> it actually is. <laughs> it's a compliment that, that anyone would, would even care what you're doing or, or follow you or say, those are the guys, follow them, figure out what's going on. But then I don't know, then you have to figure out like, 
okay, this person is obviously following me. So now where am I going to go? I'm not, I'm changing. <laughs> we plans. know that the, that the big girls are going to be right there in an hour. So it's like, we need to just post up and, and kind of wait, you know, <laughs> it's, yeah. so, it's so hard too. Yeah. So <clears throat> tell me about the boats that you guys run. What, what, uh, what style of boats do you run? Uh, kind of like the bay boat hybrid kind of, mm-hmm. um, with the tower. So we've got a 21 foot privateer open center console with a half tower. And then we've got a 23 Sabala with the full tower. Okay. And then, and just two, bo- you've got three we, boats. We got a third, third one on the, on the way. way. Okay. She's and so nobody, there. is there room in your operation for a skiff or, um, like where, where does that fit in? We had a skiff. Um, I had a skiff and we just got rid of it last year. Um, I did love it. It was more of a toy than it was a client boat. We did get some fly fishing clients and I did have some, a few of my regulars and I did would get some referrals from the fly shop, but it just really wasn't bringing the revenue in that mm-hmm. another, you know, pass bigger passenger boat, you know, and I, I needed to get something for Perry. He was next in line and needed to get something in the mix where we can do three, at least three people. That's a great start to the conversation. We're going to take a short break and get right back to the show in just a moment. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. That's know, a big deal with a bay boat. It's a, it's a really big deal. Those, that's just the price from the, you know, from the skiff to for two passenger to that three passenger is, you know, three, $400 sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, so it was, and, and even going out to get bait sometimes you couldn't get out there in the skiff because all our baits on the wrecks and it's two miles out and, you know how that goes. It's not always nice out there sometimes. Mm-hmm. And the little 17 skiff, was, we put it through it though. And, and, um, it's always in the back of my mind. I, I want to get another one. I will get another one. Um, I miss it dearly. I miss going out and throwing top water plugs after the rain and, you mm-hmm. know, at this time of year and it's, uh, it's special. I, I do love it. It's I interesting it. that all of you, um, kind of gravitated to the same style of fishing because you always have, like some families where you have the one kid that wants to be the fly fisherman. Then you have the other kid that wants to be the offshore guy. And then you got maybe, maybe somebody else that wants to be kind of the do it all. Mm -hmm. And, and, but the, but the fly fishing kid doesn't, maybe they get seasick. I don't know. They don't want anything to do with going offshore. And it's just interesting that you guys have kind of gravitated towards the same, the same style fishing, or I don't know, is it, is, do you all kind of do the same style fishing? Tell me, tell me what, like a year, like, like break down the year for me in Naples. I mean, we're not very far away in the Florida Keys, but it's different fisheries, you know, Sure. and I fish Naples some, I think it's one of the most beautiful places ever as far as the beach goes. And that's one of the reasons why I was asking you uh, about what it was like growing up, because I'm, I'm pretty sure that there weren't the building no. on the beaches like there are, but th- that sand on those beaches in Naples, that it's is crazy. The, that is the, f- the most comfortable sand, the finest, smoothest. <laughs> it's like marshmallows. It's the craziest <laughs> sand it ever. It and, and, and we still have Key Wade Island too. It's <clears> nine <throat> miles long and it's uninhabited. There's a few straggler homes on there, but I mean, you could literally put the boat right in the trough and run the whole beach and not even see a footprint or see anything. It's, it's pretty nice. It's really, really nice. And that's where we get our tarpon migration right along that beach. And 
even seen some permit there. We get the snook laying right on the beach and there's nobody around. There's no houses. There's no condos. You know, so we get that whole nine mile stretch just to spread our wings and, and let everything kind of come to us. Nice. Yes. That's great. So, so like, it, let's start in January and like, what's the fishing like January all the way through the, <laughs> do we, do we the whole. Talk about it? <laughs> January to, we're, uh, we're in shrimp mode. Yeah. It's the water's dirty. Northwest winds, <laughs> chocolate milk. So how many days are you getting in January? We're busy fishing. Oh yeah. We're fishing it's hard. Just hard. Yeah. It's just yeah. difficult. Yeah. Um, wintertime fishing for us is, uh, it's tricky. You know, we can't get offshore as much when we can. It's, we're not going as far, you know, we're catching lots of sheep's head, some redfish here and there, trout, black drum, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But that whole time we're just patiently waiting for spring. And okay. And so when does, when's the transition from kind of winter into kind of spring? What does that look like? So February will kind of start getting a turnaround, but it'll always just kind of be a false alarm. Like we'll get a week, it warms up, start catching some bait, fish are chewing, everything's good. And then boom, another cold front. Yeah. Um, and that'll even kind of trail into March and even some this year, April, we had a few cold fronts. Um, but usually towards the end of the March, start of April, that's when we're pretty much full go springtime fishing. Mm-hmm. And the permit that you guys are catching, do you, you say that you're seeing some of them on the beaches and, and in inshore, but is that mostly, I mean, would you consider your permit fishery mostly an offshore permit fishery? It's mostly or? offshore mm-hmm. permit fishery. Anywhere from the wrecks from five to 30 miles, depending on the day is where we kind of start our window and and, and it's a lot of tide bases. A lot of these fish are floating away from the structures and they just waiting for that trigger to come up and then they float in. Mm-hmm. So we've kind of adapted to where we where where and when we need to be is when that that light switch comes on and the floodgates open and we just sitting there ready for them. So let's talk about that if you want to. Uh- I mean, I don't want you to give away too much, but it's interesting because I fish permit on the wrecks on, on, in the keys, both on the ocean side. And then we have wrecks all around the, the Marquesas that are in the quicksands area. They're shallow wrecks. A lot of times you can just see the wreck and see the fish. And then we I fish them on coral heads and fish them in all different types of, uh, you know, on flats, mm-hmm. of course, in the channels. Yes. And we have like a lot of um, what a permit wants. Mm-hmm. I don't know of, Many situations that I've encountered anywhere else that we don't have in the Florida Keys, right? Um, like flats, mangroves, situations where they're like right up in the mangroves and in the mangrove shoots, and that's pretty dang cool. Yes, um, all the way out to the to the ocean, you know, and the reef and the wrecks and all that stuff. Um, but your uh, permit fishery, that's it's. I mean, you guys are getting some really big ones. They look really big They're on big. your Instagram. Yeah. They're really big. Yeah. Um, I sent, we actually got, Weston and I actually got one. The first one that we got at this spot that we Ooh. found, um, I sent some of the, the, the regs to uh, Ross at BTT. And, mm. um, he said, that's a monster. He goes, I, there's no way to weigh it, but he said it was anywhere between 45 and 55 pounds. He goes, mm. we'll call it 50 all day. So coming from BTT and Ross, and I will take that stat. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, do you have any sort of a measurement? Like, do you weigh them? Um, try not to, just not want to hang them on the boga. Yeah, you but know. you can weigh them in the net. You can That's weigh what them. I used to do. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've kind of seen that. So I'll net them too. and just weigh the whole net and okay. everything. With a 60-pound boga? <clears throat> yeah, you okay. can do it with a 60-pound boga or, you know, whatever kind of digital scale that you have. Okay. Um, and have a pretty good idea of it. And I was very surprised at how few were 40. Really? But, yeah. And then 30, like on the flats, how few are 30? Okay. 
And there's a lot of them that are like 28, 27, 26, 25, and more and more. The lower you go, the more, more plentiful they sure. are. But to get one on the flats that's over 30 is like a really, really good thing. And I found that if I could put my fist that's inside the of the thing. fish's mouth, that's the same thing. It yeah. would go over 30. Sure. And I was wondering if you had, if you guys had come up with anything like that. I, I we knew that kind of if it was the fish was in between, you know, 35 and 40 inches, you could do the, the hand, the mm-hmm. hand trick and kind of guesstimate it. You know, it's, it's, you'd hate to ballpark those things because they look so big, you know? They do. And then you're just like, hey, that's only 25 pounds. You're like, my arm does not feel like that fish was 25 pounds. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. They really, they really do seem bigger. And then when I started weighing them, it's like, huh. Hmm. You know, I would have said that was 34 pounds, 35 yeah. pounds, and it's 28. Because they just have, they have to, some of them have such a heavy head and then they, they're not, and maybe it's the time of the year or whatever, but they're not, they're not as heavy in the body. And, uh, then I started figuring out that trick. I'm like, you know, there's no reason to even weigh this one. It's not going to be over 30. Mm-hmm. And the customer's like, what? Like, it seems like it'd be over 30. Yeah. You're like, you want me to weigh it? I'll show you 27 yeah. pounds. Wow. And, uh, I don't know, maybe it's just my, the size of my fist or whatever, but it was pretty much a pretty good measurement of, of those fish. And then when you catch them small, you know, their mouths are like, yeah, that. like mm-hmm. not bigger than, not much bigger than a bonefish. Yeah. It's a funny fish, the permit. Like, why do you guys like the permit so much? Um, many reasons. They're, uh, they're such an intricate fish. Um, obviously super fun to catch and, uh, just the challenge it presents. Um, you know, a lot of people have that misconceived notion that catching the fish on the wreck is far more easier than catching the fish on the flat. And, um, in some ways, yes, but in some ways, no, at the same time. So, you know, everyone's a challenge in its own way. And you think that they're challenging on the wrecks. One of the reasons because they go in the wreck. Yeah. I mean, literally as soon as they feel that tension and that hook right in the corner of their mouth, their, their first instinct is going to be, I've seen this game play out before. I'm going to shoot right for the wreck and try to break this guy off. And Mm -hmm. those first, literally the first few seconds of the, of the fight is just so crucial. And you literally have to use it's, it's hand to hand combat. Pretty much. (laughs) You're literally going, you're using all your strength. That fish is using all of its strength. And I don't see how you couldn't love a fish like that. Um, what do you tell the clients when that's happening? <laughs> what's the, what's the coaching? You, um, uh, you, you know, it's going to happen. We, you put it out there, you hook up, you know, it's a permit. What, what's the coaching? So, I mean, literally we'll, we pull up to the wreck and before we even send out a crab, we, we give them the rundown. Um, I, Hey, I'm going to be yelling in your ear while this is going down. But what you have to do is I tell them don't, no rods in the rod holder. You're going to hold it. You, in those permit, they have such a subtle eat, you know, you, you can kind of put your finger on the line. You just feel a little bounce and a little flick almost. And, you know, sometimes the clients won't see it, but I'll keep my eye on the line and, you know, you see it bounce and I just, Hey, go, Hey, start reeling quick. And sure enough, reel down really quick, fast as you can stay up high and we're going to drive away. Hmm. And then drag them off the wrecks. Yeah. Yeah. Drag them. You you can't, there's, there's no ifs, ands or buts. It's, straight up trial by fire. You have 10 seconds. You have 10 seconds right now to get that fish away from that wreck. And they're like, especially those big ones. Yeah. <laughs> what's, them, though. what's, what's the, uh, what's the, the, the rig that you guys have come up with the rod, the reel, the line, the hook. We we use tarpon tackle. We use what's the size of the rod? They're seven eleven or an eight foot rod. Yeah, yes. like St. Croix mojos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a nice rod. Those rods mm-hmm. are very, they're, 
amazing. The seven foot 11. I started using that for tarpon, you know, a, a much heavier one too. than what you're using for the, uh, for the permit, I'm sure. But started using those for tarpon around the bridges and man, you can throw a mullet so far <laughs> with those things. A crab too. <laughs> you can really just, I mean, Country you can send it a yeah. crab. It's insane. And we, uh, but it also helps to get around the engines and stuff. Mm-hmm. That, oh, that yeah. longer, that yeah, longer run. I really like well that. Too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you guys are using trolling motors out there and oh, just, yeah. just yeah. spot tra- spot locking. Yeah, that's Game a lot changer. nicer than, than it really is. The anchor. Yeah, back in the day when I had to learn <clears> how these fish, I was anchoring up on these wrecks and I could see them mooning, you know, half yes. a mile away and bobbing. And I'm like, God, my clients are like, "Those permit over there." I'm like, now I'm just beep beep. You know, <laughs> it's these guys have us so lucky. You know, we literally had to go through the trenches mm-hmm. and and really um had some frustrating charters and, <laughs> you know and, and back then i would have i would start drifting into them i'd go way up ahead of a wreck and just drift and that load everybody up and when i could see them you know put them in them but now it's just there yeah, that that trolling motor game is it's ridiculous we're going to take a quick break and get right back to the show in just a moment mm-hmm. so do you use braid yeah mm-hmm. oh yes and um and then what leader 25 most of the time is that kind of where you've determined with your water clarity and the the situation that you're in that's as much as you can get away with we get get far more eats you know some on some spots like we have some wrecks the wreck is just so big so you can only put so much force on that 25 and so much drag so what we'll do at some spots is we'll send out one rig with the 25 and another rig with like 40 or 50 just in case and sometimes they will eat it those fish Nine out of ten of them we're always going to catch, just because mm-hmm. we can fight them with so much drag. Mm-hmm. And then what about the hook? We use anywhere from a three to a five odd circle hook. Mm-hmm. Circle. Mm-hmm. Yes, always. 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 Circle always. always. I'm a big. Yeah. I'm a huge believer in the circle hook. <clears throat> My when I first got to the Keys, I was fishing for permit and. They would smash the crab and send it back. And I'd get I'd get a J hook with a with a little piece of shell on it yeah. all the time. We get that sometimes. Yeah, not with a circle hook that much though. Not no. as much. No, and it, that's not. a big sometimes. Mm, big sometimes change. when they just grab it, just oh, right. They miss that just that hook, mm-hmm. you know, and they'll have a leg or just a corner, you know. Sometimes, but it's rare. It's rare. We call that the drive by. You know, yeah. it happens every time of time. <laughs> so, how did you guys get hooked up with Clay Guida? Um, I, uh, I met Clay at, at a, at a music festival, um, around 2016. Um, I, I knew I met him through, uh, I knew he, he, he liked fishing. I met, um, another friend of mine in Naples had told, has taken him out a couple of times and, um, I, I kind of knew he was going to be there. And ironically, we walked up to the keg at the same time. He was over there to <laughs> get a beer. I'm like, Hey, I introduced myself. Um, you know, and we started talking about fishing instantly. Um, while we were watching this killer music festival backstage, you know, and kind of enjoying and getting to know each other. Um, and then after that, just kind of started kept into and talking on Instagram and, and I kept telling him, you know, his parents were in the, in the market of buying a house in, in, in Cape Coral around that time. So I'm like, Hey, if you're ever in the town, you know, give me a call and let's go fishing. And first time I took him out in the skiff and he was, he took his shirt off immediately. It was like winter time and, and, um, I'm pulling him around crystal clear water and, you know, he, um, he, I'm like, hey, Clay, I got two redfish 11 o'clock coming right at you. Didn't, it doesn't even hesitate. Just hits him right in the head. I'm like, Clay, just, just let him get a little closer. You know, he's very aggressive on the boat, but he's, I mean, I'm sure that comes with the UFC and the wrestling. <laughs> yeah. He's, he, he just wants to hold it right now. 
<laughs> and uh, his, we love his energy and he's just, uh, he's an all around great guy. He's uh, he's been really great to our family and my boys and, and um, we love him. We're like a brother. He's a great yeah, he he's is, a great man. Friend. He's a great dude. Um, what's what? And so you've hosted like some of his, his trips, right? Like you guys are the, are the yes, guides. We have the one, trip. we have one when we get back on Sunday actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's that trip like? Um, Who comes on a trip like that? I'm not sure. He said he's bringing <clears throat> some people from here. So I'm not really sure. I don't know. I'm not sure if it's the real tree boys or he's bringing the, the gator cooler guys. I'm not really sure who, he didn't really specify that. He said he was bringing a couple guys and they wanted to catch some permits. So um, nice. I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll talk about that tomorrow. Well, yeah, that sounds fun. <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he's, he's incredible with his, um, you know, with his career, like the number of fights that he's it's, it's, had it's in the inc- UFC. It's, is, in, it's incredible. He's, he's an animal. <laughs> yeah. But, but durability too. And it's, longevity. Yes. I mean, and for his, he's not a spring chicken either. You know, he's like, he, you know, most UFC guys are in their forties. That doesn't really happen. Either, no, I mean, you know? him and Jim Miller right yeah, now, it's insane. because Cowboy Cerrone just, uh, just, just retired. Yeah, he did. And so he was the the third. There were those three guys that yeah. have the n- most fights. And so, um, and he, and they put Cerrone up against Jim Miller. Crazy. Like that's, that was a, that was a tough fight. Like, <laughs> okay, you got two veterans here. Sure. Really, I don't know, but Clay, he's right there with them. So are, were you guys UFC fans before you fished with Clay or? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, once we kind of met Clay for the first time, I started watching him more and I, I followed him on Instagram once I kind of met him and everything. And I saw the video of, um, like what his coach or his brother, or whatever does to him before the fight <laughs> slaps him in the face really quick. And I was like, why did you become friends with this guy? <laughs> did he burp? Have you seen yeah. the one where he burps? Yeah. <laughs> he burps in the middle of his fights like all the time. I've been yep. waiting for him to burp on the boat, but he he doesn't. He, apparently, <laughs> no. fishing doesn't have the same no. uh, the same reaction as the fighting. <laughs> well, that yeah. is just so funny. Mm. The burps and just that slapping and I saw that and dude, and I was just kind of like instantly, like I kind of want to take him fishing, but I don't want him to do that with a fish at all. Anything, man. But you know, we took him on the boat. We got him that last permit that he got with us was just a straight monster. And you know, after that on the ride back home, you know, my dad and my brother were in the tower and I was down there sitting with them and you just, you know, we just started talking about fishing and his love for it and my love for it. And you know, he just talked about, you know, I, I don't understand anybody that couldn't like fishing, man. Like, this is just so cool. And it's so special that you and your family are out here and everything. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm glad you're here too, man. This is super special. Yeah. It's funny with, with people like clay. Well, there aren't very many people like clay. I mean, they're just not (laughs) right. But what I mean, and like high level martial artists, people that, um, you know, he's a straight up assassin. Yes. But he doesn't act like that. He's, nice He's like the, the most low, low key, nicest guy. And I've met <clears throat> quite a few guys of that caliber now. Um, and they're all like that. Like they, they know they could kill you. So they don't have, there's no reason, <laughs> there's, no, there's no reason for him to, to have this big ego because he, yeah. Why? Yeah. Like he's the nicest guy so that's the ever. Thing you're thinking about is right. He's the nice, but he's, it for so many people. Like I've introduced my wife to to some some of the fighters, and she was like, "That guy's a fighter." <laughs> like <laughs> rip your face off. <laughs> oh yeah, he's a fighter. <laughs> oh yeah, he's a fighter. And she's like, "But he's so nice." And I'm yeah. like, "Yeah, yeah. 
Why does he have any reason not he's to be not nice? He's not clocked in right he's now. He's just so nice. <laughs> like he is. He's just so nice. So <clears throat> we're sitting here at iCast. Um, is this your first time to come to iCast? Their first time. I've been to one, came to one about five years ago. Okay. And um, I had um, invites from the last five years to every other year. And um, I would always blow it off to go fishing. Well, I mean, it is a good <laughs> time to fish. Everybody's here. And like, I would, I have a, a, a guide buddy of mine who lives in Biscayne Bay. And he's like, hey, you know, he'd give me the call every year. He's like, everybody's like, I cast their tailing. You know, we'd go catch both permanent and bonefish. <laughs> we have every flat to ourselves, no one around. And I started falling into that, like, hey, let's go fishing during ICAST. And kind of everything kind of went like that. But, you know, this time was special. They're getting a little bit older. They're, you know, taking on the business as well. And, it's it's time to to get our foot in the door and do a lap and walk around and and uh, see what we can do here. Nice. What uh, do you guys have any kind of um, expectations or do you have any idea what is on the other side of that door? Do you know? Do you care? Do you, uh, you- well, we care. Um, no, roughly, but honestly, no. It's going to be a little surprise. Kind of yeah. looking forward to it though. Mm-hmm. Super excited. Yeah. What uh, do you have anything that you're trying to accomplish here or? We want would, to we would love a real sponsor <laughs> we can't we would that is kind of the goal of this trip is to find someone that we could um especially with three boats you know we're getting ready to outfit a lot of a lot of people's hands with some 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 reels and and um that's one thing that we just can't get a niche on you know mm-hmm. no no one's letting anybody in these nowadays you know so it's it's very very hard to uh get that foot in the door well one of the things that's happened recently is that that was different. Um, let's just say 20 years ago is the availability of product. The last few years has been really, 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 I mean, even for the customer that's trying to buy it now, 20 years ago, there were times where anybody would just, Oh yeah, you want, you you help us field test it. You'll help us. I was, on Quantum, I was on quantum years ago, back yeah, when you guys first too. got started. Yeah. 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 I had Charlie was my rep and, and, um, what happened was I did a TV show and, um, I didn't have, um, the quantums in my hand. Mm. It was a TV show for somebody else. And I brought some personal Shimano's with me. Um, we were fishing for some African Pompano and I only had some, you know, two and three thousands. I didn't really have anything really too much bigger at the time. And, um, I brought some of my own reels on the fishing show and um he saw that show uh-huh. and uh, i got a a nice email the next day is why didn't you have i'm like well it wasn't my show and he's like well that doesn't really matter he didn't really happy with it and of course everything that was 20 years ago probably yeah so that's a that's the that's the good lesson that you yes that you teach the boys mm-hmm. right like yes i'm bringing this i'm sorry nothing's for free nothing mm-hmm. no i mean like when somebody hands you like like say you get a deal and they give you like, you know, a couple, make sure that you understand what they're asking in return. Like, mm-hmm. is this an exclusive thing? Like I'm not supposed to be seen with anything else or, and if you just, if you just like communicate that in advance, then everybody understands. They're like, no, no, no. You just use those reels how you would send me a report. Let me know how they're mm-hmm. doing in, in six months, send them back to me. Let me look at the damage that yeah. you cost try to blow them up. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but then you understand, okay, well, it's not a, this isn't an exclusive kind of thing. I'm just going to do that. You know, but you understand both parties understand the 
expectations of that mm-hmm. relationship. That's really that's really a big one because it can easily go wrong like that's, that, just like that, and just something that I, I a dumb mistake like that. You know, I just didn't even think about it, and and he he thought about it, he saw it, and it it backfired on me. You know, so, yeah, and um, yeah. So <laughs> here we are, and we have different we have shimanos and we have daiwas and we have pin on the boat you know it's just it's what we can get the last couple of years and it's been very hard it has been it's been very hard to get not just reels but everything hooks braid building um, materials pros drywall rolling motors yeah. <laughs> like everything yeah <laughs> it's really hard they're building a house across the street from mine and and it goes real fast for about three weeks and then it just stops <laughs> <laughs> and and it's like for for three or four weeks it just absolutely stops, and I went over and I was asking the guy one time I was like why do, why do you do it like this like go real fast and then stop and he's like oh we just run out of whatever we're wow whatever we have you know like get to the point where it's like okay well now we got to put in the tile and there's no tile and we can't do the next step past that until we get that right. So mm. holds up the whole job. Yep. Now are we on appli- waiting on appliances and yeah. all that stuff too? Yeah. But it can happen with the with the with the boating industry and I don't know. Motors have been hard to get. We yeah. just found some, took three years. Took three years three. for you to get motors? Just found some. For our new boat. But get them, wow. we get them in December. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. And the build on the new boat, how's that going? It's a slow process. Um, couldn't find core, couldn't find fiberglass. And you know, that that's another thing it trickled down onto. So we've been we've been building our custom thirty foot boat for uh, three years in June. Wow. We just found engines. We're almost done. We're like on the home stretch. Huh? Yeah. It's been a long time coming. Yeah. That seems, that seems, <laughs> that seems tough. Yeah. So who gets the new boat? <laughs> I'm going to say that's going to be me. Yeah. <laughs> I've been waiting a long time for this one. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm definitely going to go all in on that one. So, and I'm sure that we're going to take turns too, because that's something else that I, um, raising them and growing up is, is, um, I, we never really wanted, I never wanted, wanted to show them, never want to be a one trick pony, never wanted to just do the back country or the offshore. You know, I definitely wanted to let them adapt and, and take on a little bit of everything. You know, Hey, when it's not blowing, we go offshore. Hey, when it's blowing, we can go hide in the coves, you know? So there's always something to do and there's always some kind of fish to go after. So that was one thing that I was teaching them to be very versatile about that and, and, and go with whatever, whatever's available. Mm-hmm. How has the um, the water issues affected you guys over the last few years? We haven't had an issue since around 2018. Um, that, that was it seemed like that was the last really bad one, the red tide that we got. It was killing the dolphins and the manatees. Mm. And we basically had to pick up our whole operation and start guiding down by the glades. We were, you know, traveling 40 miles south just to go to work. And you're traveling by, by trailer, on trailer, trailer, right? Yeah. Just because we couldn't, we'd go out on a charter and there's dead catfish and mullet floating around. You can't take people out of that stuff. Now I had heard some people talk about back in that time that they were, they were able to fish, but they just had to go way, way out hundred miles. Oh or yeah. And we'd something had, crazy. Yeah. And we'd have to adapt with a restrict live well to keep our pilchers alive because you, you drive through that water and now all your bait, all your baits dead. And it's a serious learning curve. You know, we, we, we had to adapt to, but I mean, you can't say no and you have to go. So. And did you, did you guys notice any kind of, uh, 
any sort of change that has helped keep that? Or are we just being lucky right now? Or like what, what's going on with the water? Before we wrap up our conversation, we're going to take one final break. Be right back. I, I'll take a little bit of luck. You sure. Know? Um, we've definitely had a lot more bait in our area than we've had the last couple of years. It seems like um, our pilchards would were very seasonal for a while because um, they would all die off. You know, we'd, we'd get a whole new batch and then we'd get that tide and it would be all along the beaches and it would just kill that whole batch of pilchards. And now we're waiting for the next season to get the next ones. This year, we really haven't had a problem and we've been having consistent pilchards pretty much all year. It's a really disturbing thing when, when the bait dies. Like that's, <laughs> that's tough. Like, because you can still have like some fish that are smart enough to move out of it or whatever, or they just are lucky enough to move out of it, or they just weren't there to begin with. But when the bait dies, that's, that's very disturbing. You, so when you, when you say you, you would kill off a hole or the, not you would kill off, but the red tide would kill off a whole hatch. And then what did it look like? Are you just all of a sudden you're starting to see more bait around or is it just a little bit at a time and then it gets to be more and more and then you seem like you're back to normal? Like what does it look like when you when when it's died off like that and then it comes back in it's, your area? It seems like last year it came back right after that that 2018 it seemed like that 2019 2020 kind of combo it was just flooded i mean you could stevie wonder could throw a cast net and catch bait it was you could walk on them every morning hmm. you know the sun would come up and you could, as far as you could see it was just wow. and just all pearls and you know and one and done and then you're all fishing and it seemed like that carried over for about a year and they never really left and it, they never really died off and it was just there was some littler ones that were mixed in but it was always you had some big cell phones in there too mm. so it was kind of a, a mixed batch you could see the different generations of pilchards in the same area mm. that were all with all making it through you know you had the quarter inch ones and then you had the three-eighths ones you know they were all kind of in the same area yeah <clears throat> i wonder why that is that it was so good after after that yeah I, i'm not sure I'm, I'm maybe what those guys were doing and you know keeping that water in and we never really had a bloom so we haven't had a bloom since 2018 so i'm gonna say that's either captains for clean water or luck or, or and both, both. Or you know both. Yeah. there's nothing wrong with both yeah and and captains for clean water have certainly done a lot of great work um and then luck i'll take that and weather day. too i mean yeah. like weather can be a huge factor. Like if they get a, a, a whole ton of rain, yep. that's what starts the whole yep. deal. Now where are they going to do with the water? Yep. And then it goes out both sides of the state and that's when both sides. And then we get the cold front and then that Northwest blows and then it just trickles all the way down. Right. When it rains so much like that, that's what, that's where a lot of people have a hard time. And even I had a hard time understanding what, what the water problems were. It's like, well, wait a minute. There's too much water, yeah. But then the Everglades don't have any water. Yep. Like, how is it that they're not that far apart? But you guys have just this amazing amount of water coming in there that has all these problems with it. But Flamingo has no water. It's crazy. And and, and then and redfish are still closed in our region. Really? Until further notice, as of FWC. Really? So yeah. you can't fish for them at all, you or you cannot for keep them? them. You, you cannot keep them. them. Cannot harvest them. And there's a and there's almost a line in the sand at, at right there at um at Marco River is where you can keep them. So it's 
it's so weird because we fish this whole area, but we cannot bring a redfish or a snook over this imaginary line, which is ironically right where our, our ramp is. Hmm. Like our ramp literally is right on the line where you cannot bring. And there's some guys that do bring reds in there. And, and there's, it depends on what FWC officers at the ramp that day. Some will give you a ticket and some will say, you're on the line. You're okay. We don't kill anything. Uh, right. I was gonna, that was my next question. Yeah, what do you guys no, think no, about that? No harvest. No on harvest on oh, that's, that's a game fish. Or a permit ever, ever. Yeah. So what do you keep? Snapper, <laughs> sheep's yeah. head. Triple tail. Tri- trout, triple tail. Cobia. Cobia. Mm-hmm. What's your snapper fishing like? What kind of snappers are you fishing for? Uh, mostly like mangroves and lane snappers. You mostly. have big, big mangroves up there? Big mangroves. Yeah. Yeah, that's my favorite eating so fish. Good. That's that's my that's sweet my meat. favorite snapper. That's the uh, sweet meat. I could it's... just eat those. <laughs> that I mean, <laughs> if you said what's up. the one kind of fish that you would just eat, that would be it. Yep. I would be a mangrove snapper. Yep. I just love them. And and how do you guys like to cook them? Fish tacos. Crunchy fish tacos. Crunchy fish tacos. Where's tell me about the crunch? Oh, where, where are we yeah. getting the crunch? Um, what I do is you go to Publix and you buy every single breading they have there. Okay, and you mix it all together. And I kind of um, put some um, basically egg wash and just do that and just get the flour tortilla. Put all your goodies in. Put the fried fish in there, and you got a crunchy fish taco. So the egg wash. Walk me through that. Are you egg washing first, I then putting bat- it in the batter, egg wash, then back to batter? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then, yeah, <laughs> golden brown. And then, yeah, get the guac and all your goodies. And yeah, it's, yeah that sounds terrific. Crowd pleaser. <clears throat> One thing that I like also, and I've started doing with my, my gray snappers and certainly was doing it with the mutton snappers, is just, just take the filet straight off, scales on, on the grill. Scales down. I've heard of that trick so many times. I've never, ever tried it. Boy, we do that with the redfish. Like if I go to um, Louisiana, sure. you keep redfish. That's what they do. The redfish on the half shell. Sure. That's the first time I'd ever had that. And they just, they just fillet the redfish straight off and that's it. They trim it, you know, maybe, but sure. it scales down. You put it on the grill. You put your, or you put butter, Worcestershire kind of, they have like a Worcestershire mix mm-hmm. up there with the Cajun spices and the Worcestershire and, and then butter. And then you just paint that on there, scales down, don't move it. Wow. The scales turn black. It looks like you're burning the crap out of it, but <laughs> you pull it off and, and I just kind of pick up one half of it. And if it just kind of breaks in half, it's perfectly ready. Wow. And then you just get the whole thing. You take a fork and all the meat comes off and you got this burnt skin, but you look at the burnt skin and there's all this caramelized fat underneath there. And the fat almost pours onto the filet. Oh, wow. And it's fantastic with mutton snapper. It's fantastic with gray snapper. Maybe don't try, now, you do know, you get, does it all the of grill? them. Does it tear the grill up no. with all the scales? No, no, no. They really? don't come off, man. Really? They stay right on there. Hmm. And then when they burn up, they just shrivel up into almost nothing. And, and we you know, try that. but it has to be a, it has to be like a, a heavy scaled fish. Sure. Like a mutton, uh, a, 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 triple a tail. redfish, a triple tail. Sure. I don't know. I haven't done that with triple tail. They're just triple tail so are rough, rough, but yeah. they have like a thin little scale on them. You yeah. know, like it's not like a, I mean, they're a prehistoric <laughs> tough looking fish that mm-hmm. would, would poke you, but, but they do have like a different kind of, I don't know. Maybe they would be good like that because triple tail is one maybe, of the best maybe, meats. Maybe yeah, because ever some of the yeah, I, that's my favorite hands down. If I had to eat one fish, that would that would be it. Triple tail. Um, yeah, we and hog snapper. We uh, we had a, we had a really rough year on the triple tail last year. Really, we only got mm-hmm. one keeper last year, and it was kind of weird because the year before 
it was gangbusters. There was three 10 pounders on every trap. Yeah. It that's was, interesting. It because was like crazy. We went to, um, we filmed two or maybe even three triple tail shows because it was so good. And it was just like you were talking about uh, right around Flamingo area. Yeah, and I knew they I, were just everywhere, everywhere. And I knew we were going to, I kept saying to the boys, I go, we're going to pay for this. I mm -hmm. go, we were, I mean, we're averaging two 10 pounders every half day from our clients. You now, know? do you think uh, Rich ties that back? <clears throat> he looks at that. They changed the, the regulation, bumped it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then the next year was fantastic. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, that's it. You know, I mean, he just draws a one-to-one -one relationship with that. I wonder what your, your thoughts are. I, tr I was, cause as this was happening, um, I was kind of telling the boys too, I had seen this scenario once before a few years back. I, I can't remember what year it was though. I remember there being one good year where it was just big ones, you know, 10 to 15 pounders everywhere. And then the next year, not even little ones, mm. not even the next generation. So it was kind of weird. And it wasn't until I saw that year that I started putting that back into my logbook in my career and wondering what had happened and wondering what happened to those fish. Are they just getting eaten? Or are they just leaving the area, you know, cause they're just, there's no rhyme or reason to them. They're just floating around, you know? So mm. we've even seen them on floating on menus. <laughs> Perry scooped one with a net floating on a restaurant menu a couple of years ago. It was the craziest thing. They'll be, I mean, if they find anything, they're going to, yep, they're going to hang around. It there. Was, yeah. I want to come back to the log book, but <clears throat> when we were fishing for these red, for these triple tail, they had a red spot on them. It was like, I, I could probably show you on my phone, but it was, it was like this. And it was so like a bigger than a half dollar. It was so red that you would see the dark fish out there floating and you'd see the red. Sometimes you would look at the red and you would say, okay, I see the, I see the red. <laughs> That's crazy. You know? And so anyway, we, we caught these fish and I'm like, what is this red thing on this fish? And I thought it was going to be a big sore, but it wasn't a big sore. It was just like a, a irritated area. Like they had been rubbing up against something. Or Rich thought that they had, they got sunburned. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if they got sunburned, but maybe they did. I mean, they just lay there like this. How crazy. Right. So I was wondering if you had run across that because I asked a couple of different scientists and they didn't know what it was. And I sent pictures of it. We have some it, pictures of that, of some, with some, some big red scars like that, that yeah. one that you, we, we caught oh. that one coming home from that trip. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if it, like maybe he got hit by a shark or something and he was just laying there and tiger came up and gave him a little nip. Um, we, but we have a, a few that have, they're not always in the same spot though. Right. You know, one was, kind of long and skinny and the other ones were kind of round like that too. We yeah. have a picture of this one who was called him Scarface. You got to look and it looks fresh. It was, yeah. you know, it no, was, it looks fresh. Yes. It looks like they've been like, if they're on a buoy, it looks like they've just been sure. Just rubbing up the, against the, this buoy. The, yeah. The tide is all day. Down. Yep. Right. And, and, and it leaves, if, if you did that with your hand, it would, sure. you would have a red mark on you. Sure. Hand. But you look at it and, and the, the scales are kind of knocked off of it a little bit, but it's just kind of a weird thing. And I asked a couple of, biologists and they didn't seem to know what I was talking about. So I sent them the pictures and I said, well, we have all these pictures and we were fishing a two mile stretch and every single one had this thing. Wow. And I don't know what it was. And, and I haven't really, I don't know. It was like two years 
And they were all like that. And then I haven't really I seen have them seen like since. that. I mean, not, not like, yeah. not like that. Not like everyone. Sure. You're like, look, there's a red one out there. There's <laughs> another red one. There's another red one. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know if I, I mean, you guys fish for triple tail probably way more than I do, but I just found that to be really interesting. And I'll, if I can't <clears throat> find them, now I'll send you the pictures. Yeah. And I'd like to see what your pictures look yeah, like. Yeah, well, to absolutely. See anybody I knows. have a couple too. But that's what like this podcast can be really good because there'd be somebody out there that's like, oh, I know what that is. Oh, yeah. They'll Perfect. send me an email. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I've ever talked about it on the podcast. I've probably forgot. Um, so the logbook. You mentioned that you got a logbook. Can you kept a logbook your whole career? Um, not not necessarily like um I mostly use my my pictures now and stuff like that, but um it's mostly even in my head. Yeah. You know, me memories of of scenarios that I've that have played out before. But even if you have like a picture and on the back you write somebody's name and you write Marquesas, incoming tide, ten thirty, June, June twelfth, right? And then you, you just file that away, right? Later you pick it up and you go, Okay, June twelfth. Incoming tide. Wow. Mm -hmm. I was on this flock. Oh yeah. yeah. I forgot. I even used to fish there. Right. Or whatever it is. But I was just wondering if you had a book, are you sharing it with, with your boys? 100%. And are you, do you realize the value of what you're looking at? <laughs> Most like, certainly. Do you? Oh yeah. And, and what do you do about it? Do you go check those spots out or do you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause some of them aren't going to be good anymore. And some of them are going to be like, to the, to the second of what he wrote down 20 years ago, it's going to be perfect. Like, and, and then what does that do for you? Do you, do you guys keep a logbook or do you honestly through the pictures I take, they, it does a great job. And what I'll do sometimes is I'll, I'll go back through my pictures. I just keep a big album of all, all fishing pictures and I'll look at the time and I'll <laughs> go, go on the, on the tide app and I'll pull up the tide of when that was caught, where it was at. And I'll kind of, put it together that Dude, way that is such an incredible In advantage as well they, they <laughs> have it so good we never had that yeah we were had the old cardwood paper and <laughs> the, the, the florida the, sportsman the yes the florida sportsman book <laughs> and so like my 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 mentor was simon becker and and he told me like i'm trying to write down everything and i'm trying you know i'm not able to keep up like and i don't have a motivation to write four pages of notes after a charter sure. he's like look you don't need to do that all you need to do is write down where you were and what time you caught the fish. Mm -hmm. Then you can go back and you can look at the chart at, at the book and you can go, well, I was here at this time. So that is, that was it. The tide was going out. Yeah. I would, I would thought it was coming in, yes. but it wasn't, it was going out. And then you think, okay, well that's about an hour and a half into the outgoing tide. And you go back there and that's really all the information you need. And when you take a picture like that, I mean, God, you could probably have your GPS location it's, on there too, but yes. <laughs> yeah. then you know exactly where you caught yeah. it. And there's some apps that do that now where if you put the picture in, it'll tell you exactly where you were. You don't want that information getting out. No, no. but some people do. That's yes. like, they use it like social Send media. To a friend and that, yeah, that actually, that stuff can kind of backfire too. It you know, certainly you, can. You, um, the, the boys have actually a friend, a friend back at home that this whole scenario just played out a, a client sent. Uh, a captain of picture of a fish that he caught with somebody else. And guess what? All that Intel is right there on that photo where he caught it, what time. Oh, and, thanks. Yep. And guess who showed up there the next day? That captain with that client. Oh, that's a tough one right there. When the, with, with the captain and the client it's, show up. It's, it's yeah. A sticky situation for sure. I had a guy one time <clears throat> before cell phones and before all kinds of things that we have now. And he showed up and he had this little bag and he just kept this little bag next to him. 
I was like, I think there's a gun in that bag. <laughs> That's what I thought. I was like, he's just keeping it so close to him. And every now and then he'd kind of look at it. And I was like, what's in the bag? You know, and, and turns out it was a GPS. And he was trying, <laughs> he was trying to follow us all, all the way. And I was like, you know, wow. Do if you had just told me. Yeah. Like that you're not trying to learn your way around. Sure. Like the, I'll, I'll show you around. But like this is a really bad way Sneaky. to go about it, right? But they could do that with their phone now. Oh yeah. All all the time. But I guess it's now it's like, what are you gonna do with the information instead of it's been coming the fact out. that you're just getting the information? Yeah. It's only half the battle. It really is. And we've actually even come even this month as we've stopped fishing locals because um it's kind of backfired on us a little bit and people are seeing our Instagram and then I'm like on the phone call, I see the area code and then I get their information from the credit card. I got the zip code and I'm like, I, I sent back, Hey, yeah, I'm, I got, I just moved here and bought a 24 foot boat and I'm just trying to figure this shit out. I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> like, thank you for telling me that. And now I'm going to decline and we've turned down three this, this month just because really? of people trying to figure out what we're doing and where we're doing it at. You know, I get a lot of, people that ask that question like i'm moving to a new area how do i learn how to do this and one of the things that i tell them is you could book a guide but if you book a guide you need to tell them mm -hmm. i just moved to the area i want to be able to run around without running aground i don't want to mess anybody up can you show me some things that i can do where I'm not going to mess you up and I'm not going to go to any, I don't want your spots. I want to learn how to run around here and I want to learn how to find spots for myself. Now, if somebody came to you with that angle, would you be more likely to take them? Yes. Probably. You think so? I'm going to yeah. say probably not. <laughs> you could show them the community hole. Yeah. Like whatever that Sandbar. is. Sandbar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure. The bait spot, you know, sometimes. But we don't really come across people with that motive. Unfortunately. People want our permit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to learn how to find these for myself mm -hmm. and yeah. I want you to show me. <laughs> that's <laughs> right? it. And I'm going to give you, pay you one time fee for showing me where these are. And yeah, that's doesn't sit well with us. Yeah. But there's more to it than just knowing where they are. Right. There really is, uh, you know, there, and, and we could really take somebody out there one time and we could even give them the GPS number, but are they going to be able to use the tactics that we all know and that we've all implying on these fish for decades now? Um, probably not. They're going to lose everyone. They're going to spend $200 on crabs and probably come home and yell at the missus. But, um, that's, I, I don't even want to give them that far, you know, unfortunately, because yeah. it's, it's very, very tight. And what we have is special, very, very special. And, uh, we like to keep it where it is. I believe it. I believe it. So, um, what does the future look like for you guys? I'd say pretty bright, you know, we, so we do have this offshore boat coming and it's being built and that privateer that he brought up that we do have is um, actually in the shop right now, getting completely rebuilt, new fiberglass and everything. So that thing's going to be bulletproof. And then we have that Sabalo and um, we're kind of on the fence right now, whether of either just selling it or getting it rebuilt, but I would like to get it rebuilt, you know, and um, you know, throughout the years, um, You'll definitely get a second win when we get this big boat for sure. And we will all be working on that as much as we can. And, you know, hopefully get, you know, a fleet going eventually. And, you know, my kids or his kids in the future to try and keep it going. But like you said earlier, you know, he likes fishing. He wants to be a captain and 
he wants to do his separate thing. So maybe. Yeah. Never know. Exactly. Never know. I mean, a lot of times, you know, people want to move away from the area because it's like small or, or they want to do something different. But if you love yeah. the area and you don't want to leave, then what could be better than being a fishing guide exactly. in an area like Naples or, mm-hmm. or Key West or yeah. like, would you rather sell insurance in Key West <laughs> yeah. or, you wanna, yeah. or you want to be a fishing guy? That's right. And like, I've, I've handed them the, passed the torch here to them and, and uh, you know, they just got to pick up the pieces and put them together, you know? So I've already done all the hard work, you know, and, and paid my dues through time and, and um, now it's their turn, you know, and um, my clients, all the clients rant and rave about them, you know, that there's incredible team and um, just makes me proud. You know, nice. there's, there's, I can't, can't say it doesn't. Yeah. Well, it's obvious it comes through in your, in your post. Um, so I wish you guys the best. How would uh, somebody go fishing with any or all of you? Um, go on our website, NaplesOffshoreFishingTrutters.com. We got our phone numbers there, a whole little book and thing to make it nice and easy. Um, that would be how. That's it. And what's the Instagram? On a mission fishing charters. And then, but each of you have a, a, a follow all of you. So yeah, what, we, what are your handles? Uh, Cap- Captain West Bedell. And then mine is Captain Weston Bedell. Mine's Captain Perry Bedell. Oh man, you nice guys didn't simple. want to deviate. <laughs> Keep it easy. Yeah, that's, that's great. Right. That's great. Well, I'd love to do that permit fishing with you one time. Maybe I'll come on. Maybe now. I'll see if I can Absolutely. get Clay to bring me along one there day. There you go. go. Absolutely, <clears throat> we would love that. I am a permit aficionado. I love them. <laughs> they are my favorite fish, and uh, I don't care where I catch them. They mm-hmm. can be in six inches of water or six hundred feet of water. Yeah, I, I like agree. them all the same. So. We'll uh, we'll put you on there. You'll be gonna hug in no time. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thanks, guys. I um, I hope you have a great iCast show, and uh, we'll see you on the boat one of these days. Awesome. Thank, Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank see you. Ya.